Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. This is Keith Niebuhr, and I'm joined by Jason Caldwell with Inside the Auburn Tigers to break down Auburn's 30-28 to 28 win. I was going to say thrilling. I'm not sure that was the word that Auburn fans are looking for, but it certainly was dramatic. A two-point win over the Arkansas Razorbacks at home on Saturday at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Jason, when you, uh, when you cover the Auburn Tigers, and I learned this the very first year on the beat, which was 2013, you have to expect the unexpected with, the, with Auburn. Uh, they play in some of the craziest games a year in and year out in the SEC, and this one was no different. Auburn had a 17-0 lead, and, and lo and behold, uh, toward the end of the game, actually trailed before getting an Anders Carlson field goal in the waning seconds to pull out a dramatic win. Um, but, Jason, just your, your general thoughts on, on this victory. Yeah, you know, it, about what I expected, honestly. I, even though when Auburn was up 17 nothing, I thought, they, man, they got a chance to really, you know, run away and hide. And then, you know, Arkansas has the drive, and they kind of, you know, grab, grab the momentum back. But it kind of was what I expected. And when you think about coming out of that Georgia game, that's a, that's usually a game that beats you up pretty physically, and it, it did Auburn. And so I thought, you know, there's going to be some issues. I, I did think that the loss of K.J. Britt probably had more of an impact than I even imagined it would uh, and some of the things that Arkansas was able to do offensively. But overall, you know, I thought there were some positives to take um, from it. Um, it was a, a difficult, you know, environment when you talk about the weather, all those things. Hey, it was probably a chance for this team to grow up a little bit. And, hey, you look around the rest of this league, and um, what you can say is you got out of there with a win, and uh, there's a lot of people that would have taken that on Saturday. You know, Jason, at the end of the game, you know, obviously Auburn got that last-minute field goal to take the lead from Anders Carlson, but there was a drive. It was a solid drive, and everything was going well, and Auburn was moving down the field and into position, and, and uh, then as the clock is winding down, Auburn attempts to spike the football. Bo Nix, Auburn's quarterback, doesn't handle the snap cleanly, turns, spikes it. It clearly was spiked behind him. Uh, the ball is loose. A whistle blows. People think Arkansas got it. People think the Auburn players stopped going for it when the whistle. I mean, it was just total chaos. And the officials ruled intentional grounding. Then they reviewed it, and basically they couldn't. You know, they couldn't change the call. They 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 chose not to change the call. And and even a day afterwards, and we're recording on Sunday. The game was Saturday, obviously. I'm still trying to get my hands around that last play and all the things that happened and what was the right call, what was, what would have been the wrong call, but what's your interpretation 
of what happened based on the rules as they've been explained to you? Yeah, well, I didn't need an explanation once I figured out that they were looking at it as a backwards pass. Once that happened, I didn't need an explanation because I watched it. I watched both teams stop and then start and then start and stop again as the official standing right over the football is blowing his whistle and basically waving as an incomplete pass. Once that happens, there was no recovery. Arkansas finally got the ball, but it was pretty much after everything had already been done. It already blown it dead anyway. And so um, the wrong call was probably made initially, you know, in that they ruled it an incomplete pass grounding. You know, it probably should have been a fumble. But once that happened and they blew the whistle, that was it. It was over with. Um, they, they could not – you can't go back and, you know, change it um, and give somebody the football when another team stopped because you were blowing the whistle and saying, no, this is incomplete pass. So, that was it. It was over with and done. And, uh, you know, the, the wrong call was made by blowing the whistle. So, I mean, Auburn got a break in one regard, but in, in the other regard, the call was made correctly once they went back because I think that's the only thing they could do. I mean, Jason, uh, yeah, Auburn just escaped by the, the hair on their chin. I mean, it was, it was that close. I mean, what, was, what do you think was going through Bo Nix's mind is all that? I mean, he had to have known afterwards watching the play that he had he'd made a major blunder there. I mean, he really caught a break. But, I mean, you, 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 know, you guys interviewed him after the game. What did he have to say about the play? And, and, I think um, it's, you know. it's just one of those things where when you don't handle it cleanly – all you're thinking is I got to get the ball on the ground. And so you're, you know, you're, you're thinking, he's thinking get the yeah. ball on the ground as quickly as I can. And the snap didn't come up cleanly. Um, and it, you know, the weather probably played part of that. Part of it was too, was probably when he's signaling spike from the sidelines, they, it was third and one. They, they probably would have been better, better off running a play and trying to get a first down, which would have stopped the clock. Then you could have spiked the football without rushing and then had plenty of time to kick the field goal. So I think the fact that they were kind of rushing to spike it uh, when they had time to probably just go ahead and line up and run and try to get a first down um, would have probably been the, the more prudent play anyway because that didn't happen. And let's face it, how many snaps from under center do you think Bo Nix and Nick Brahms have had during this camp? Probably not very many. Um, and so that probably played a factor in this as well. Just a crazy, crazy play. You can understand the frustration, obviously, from the Arkansas side. But uh, in the end, Auburn gets the win, Jason. There wasn't a ton of, of good again. I mean, they're, you know, look, they won. That's the, the main thing, obviously. But the defense gave up a lot of yards. The offense had a significant amount of yards but was inconsistent at times. A uh, couple times, you know, they probably should have scored touchdowns when they didn't. So, not exactly the cleanest game. Obviously, you know, Auburn's you had some injuries, missing some offensive tackles. It was rainy, it was muddy, it was windy, and all that stuff, which you know, obviously sometimes can be great equalizers on the football field. Uh, but let's start with some of the good things. There were some, there were some positives. Look, Auburn ended up with 446 yards, which uh, is a step in the right direction. Jason, they rushed for 259 yards, and I guess 140 something of that came from Tank Bigsby, the sensational true freshman who. You and I kind of knew what Auburn was getting, and uh, all along, you never know a guy's going to make that quick of an impact. But he was damn good Saturday. Um, three games into his college career, and he's already doing incredible things for Auburn. What is it about him that's so unique? I think it's 
you know, you know, we talked about this in, in, you know, the preseason, going back to recruiting last year, that Auburn probably didn't have a back on the roster that had all the things you're looking for in a running back. You know, you had some guys that had explosiveness. You had somebody with size. You had some – he's got size. I mean, he's not the biggest back, but he's not little. Um, he's strong. He's explosive. And he is a – just a go-getter. Like he's a extremely hard worker. You can see that when he gets the football. Sometimes you're going, hey, just go ahead and go down because, you know, that's when fumbles sometimes. He won't stop. He does not stop running. And the difference in him and, let's face it, him and the other backs on Auburn's roster right now were probably 70 yards on Saturday. He probably extended plays, ran through tackles that other guys couldn't do on the roster right now. It probably accounted for half of his yards on Saturday. That's the thing he brings to the table is that ability to make somebody miss in the hole, but also run through tackles. And so he is the guy that it gives you a complete running back and a guy that Auburn hadn't had in a little while. Yeah, absolutely no quit in Tank Bigsby. Had multiple runs over 10 yards, and a lot of them were after initial contact, uh, fighting his way through tackles, like you said. And even at the end of a play when sometimes guys were either Jason run out of bounds or go down sort of easily. He's fighting for that extra one, two, three yards. And, you know, we saw that out of Carryon Johnson during his junior season, those extra two or three yards, particularly in that game against Alabama, which obviously Auburn won uh, handily. I mean, it, it, as handily as you can beat a dominant-type Alabama team. But uh, to win by two touchdowns. But Carryon Johnson fighting for those extra yards almost every single time he carried the ball. And that's Tank Bigsby, except with a little bit more explosion, quite frankly. And he doesn't have the offensive line that Carryon Johnson had. Uh, Jason, you know, you and I, we both talked to Gus Malzahn, and, and we knew before Tank signed that that was a guy that he really, really wanted. So what is the ceiling for this kid? I mean, He's uh, made dramatic improvement just over the last three weeks. Where does he need to continue to improve? And are we talking about a guy that, uh, I mean, I look, it's early in the career, but are we talking about a guy that has a chance to be one of those special backs at RBU? Oh, I think so. I think you look at it, and I think he's got a guy coaching him that understands exactly what he's going through. You know, you know, Cadillac Williams is a guy that, that came in as a freshman and, and had success and had to deal with it. And I think that the next step for Tank will be learning when to bounce it outside and learning when to to plant your foot and get upfield. There were a couple of times on Saturday where, you know, he, he bounced and probably had a hole inside. Um, and I think it's the next step for him will be, and you know, carry on, you know, learn that as well. Sometimes you have to take the four-yard run uh, instead of trying to make every run 75 yards. And, you know, those are things you learn with experience and on this level. Because in high school, you can try to make every yard of 70, every, every touch a 75 yard run, because sometimes that happens. You know, when you get in the SEC, sometimes you have to take those four or five yarders, because um, that's what keeps the chains moving. And, and so those, those are, to me are the next steps. But yeah, man, you, you watch him and he's got all the things you're looking for, catches the ball well out of the backfield. Uh, he's a guy that I think they can continue to expand his role. Well, Jason, let me ask you this. As his role continues to expand, do, do they need to consider not having him return kickoffs? I think it – yeah, I think there's a lot of guys on this team that have the ability. I mean, you know, Ladarius Tennyson's back there with him. You know how great of an athlete Ladarius Tennyson is when the ball in his hands. I think that's a role that you can give somebody else um, just to take some of those touches off of Tank. Um, he probably wants to be back there now, but 
I, I, you know, I would guess there's, there's lots of choices, lots of options on this team um, to be able to do that role and to handle that role. And, you know, that may be something where you might be able to slide, you know, we hadn't seen Mark Anthony Richards yet. Maybe that's where you slide him in and start to get his touches some as that kickoff return man and, and, and get him a little bit involved in that way. Jason, I don't know about you, but I've been hearing even in the spring, even when Tank Bigsby first got to Auburn before COVID, that he was already a it already become a leader in workouts. And when you look at this guy on the foot field, there is so much toughness and absolutely no quit in him. I actually envision him ascending to a leadership role on this team very early in his career. Uh, and and as that expands, I think you know more people are going to want to fall in line with him. He's a very demanding teammate. He expects a lot of these guys. And Jason, I guess the other plus would be in this game, one of the other pluses, uh, the highlights, the offensive line wasn't terrible. And, and look, that, that doesn't sound like much, but against Georgia, quite frankly, they were terrible. I don't, I don't know how you spin it any other way, whether it was missed assignments, just a few here or there. The end result was absolute disaster for the Auburn offense for most of that game. And that, now, that's me being very harsh. Uh, I'm not saying they're terrible players, but they had a terrible game, bad game. Not so bad against Arkansas. A lot of rushing yards. I don't think Bo Nix uh, was fl- flushed that often from the pocket. I mean, you know, he had time to throw for the most part. On those last few drives, uh, the holes were there. The, the, the lanes were there, the, the passing lanes for Bo. Uh, and, and they had some guys missing. Uh, this is a step forward for these guys, is it not? Maybe a couple steps forward. Yeah, I thought for the – you mentioned the entire – I thought for the entire offense it was a step forward. And, and you know, sometimes it's hard to to be crisp and, you know, on a day like that. You know, Arkansas's passing game had a bunch of yards, but it's not like they were dropping back and slinging the ball down the field. Most of those came dump-offs to running backs and tight ends where they had open field to run with. Um, I thought that the overall game from the offensive line was definitely the best one of this season. There's no question about that. I thought it was a step in the right direction. And, you know, we saw, you know, you know, Bradarius Ham didn't start after being banged up against Georgia, but he came in and when he did, they, they put him at, at, at right tackle and moved Brandon Council, who started at right tackle. They moved him to left guard. Uh, Keandre Jones started, stayed in at right guard. And I, I thought they found a little something. Um, and, you know, we talked about this some in the preseason. I thought the strength of this line was actually going to be to line up almost toe-to-toe and just run the ball at people when you look at, at – you know, Brodarius, Keandre, Nick Brahms, uh, Brandon Council, and especially with Alec Jackson, I think obviously his strength is going to be going straight ahead. That group probably better off in running the football. And, um, you know, in some third and long situations, they're still going to struggle at times. But if you can run it, then you're able to set up more play action game in a passing game, take some of the pressure off of Bo Nix and allow him to step up in the pocket. And when he has that time, he's a guy that delivers the football. We, we've seen that. Um, there were some of those times on Saturday, especially late, like you said, where he had a chance to step up in the pocket, make some things happen. So I thought overall it was a step in the right direction. Now the thing is going to be figure out what you're doing in the red zone. Um, and, and you got to score touchdowns. That's the thing. You look in this league, everywhere around this league, and you're going to have to score more points. And, and Auburn scored 30. Um, but you're going to have to score more than that to win some of these games. You're, you're, you're playing against some of these teams that can really score. And so that's going to mean – sharpening up in the red zone and you know Seth Williams is a weapon but but your red zone offense has to be more than throwing a, a jump ball to Seth Williams to, to score touchdowns yeah you have to feel good for those guys up, up front I mean it's so much so maligned after the loss to Georgia and deservedly so and I mean look Georgia's got a great defense no question about it but 
it just wasn't a good night for Auburn's offensive line. And then to turn around and have some success against Arkansas, can, you know, given the injuries, the lack of chemistry, no spring ball, uh, you know, they had the, the COVID test positive over the or positive COVID test over the summer, just never really had everybody together. So uh, definitely a good sign for Auburn football. If the offensive line can kind of get things moving in the right direction. I, I I'm just happy for those guys up front because I know that the, you know, they, they that was, that was such a struggle the week before, and Jason, you know they they really were good when Auburn needed to have those last couple of drives. Now, listen, one other area, uh, another positive, I think. Uh, again, speaking of those drives, when Auburn had to move the ball at the end, now, granted they gave up a big lead. We're going to get to all the negatives. Don't don't worry about that. But when they absolutely needed to move the ball, the last couple drives, they did, Jason. And uh, why do you think they were able to do that? I think you look, there's a, you know, a couple of things and, um, you know, I believe that, um, you know, that's, it's always when Bo Nix has been at his best, you know, and you think about two minute offense, I think he does a good job of that. They didn't necessarily have to jump in two minute, um, against Arkansas. They had some time to move the football, but, um, seems like he plays better in those situations. And I think the other thing is, is that, um, just a couple of plays, you know, Seth Williams makes a play over the middle and, chunk yardage we talked about time and time again how important having a 20 30 yard play is on scoring drives um you look back and and when they had some of those plays those are usually the drives that Auburn scores points on because it allows you to um you know hurry up pace a little bit but also puts a little bit of pressure on the defense when when you when you get you're not having to grind out first downs and so um, to me, that's the thing they do, they've done well is, is find some of those chunk yardage plays. Seth had a couple on Saturday. Anthony Schwartz had a big one on third down. And obviously Tank had a couple in, in the running game. And that's, that's what you have to do. You've got to make some of those plays. And they were able to do that you know, late in the game that, that set up those points. All right, Jason. Uh, one other positive. Here we go. Another one. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking for things to, to come away feeling good about yourself in this game. But that punt block by Jordan Peters early in the game was – uh, you know, significant, obviously. It helped Auburn build a 17 nothing lead in the first half. But Auburn has the capability to make those game-changing plays on special teams. And throughout his career, Jordan Peters has been one of those guys to do it. He has. He's, he's, he's always been kind of Johnny on the spot. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to blocking punts, he has a knack for it. Uh, and it's an art form, and he does a great job of it. They do a great job, though, of studying and, and kind of figuring out the opportunities and, and when they're going to go after it. So, uh, yeah, that was, you know, that was definitely one of the, uh, I think the key moments of the game and, and Jordan Peters continues to excel in that area. All right, Jason, uh, obviously when you win by two against a, a, a team that you know, quite frankly, hasn't been very good in recent years, you know, you gotta, you didn't do everything well. Okay. Let's look at some of these numbers here. Felipe Franks, Arkansas starting quarterback, the transfer from Florida who got injured there, but, was never going to win his job back with the way Kyle Trask has played, but he was 22 of 30 for 318 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, you know, a career day for Felipe Franks, who's been inconsistent his entire college career. Uh, Arkansas has uh, finished with 437 yards on a wet and sloppy field, 437 yards in its previous two games um, against uh, who they play Mississippi state. And Georgia, they had 260 and 275, so easily their best offensive output of the game of the year. Also, they scored a combined 31 points in their first two games, had 28 on Saturday. Uh, 
six of 15 on third down conversions, which on the surface doesn't look too good, Jason. But remember, early in the game, I think they had their uh, – I don't think they converted – I want to say they were one out of their first four or five. And then at the end of the game, when they were trying to just kind of hold on to the lead, they, they failed on a third down conversion. In between those couple points in the game, they were pretty solid on third down. Also, one of one on fourth down, uh, 10 yards per pass attempt. You know, just uh, – yeah. Only 2.8 yards a rush. So Auburn wasn't bad there. But the overall was that Arkansas moved the ball in the key points of the game. And that's got to be dis- concerning to Auburn, obviously. They had some guys missing, no doubt, but not the best defensive showing. No, and, and you know, like I said, I, I think the the loss of K.J. Britt and then, you know, you lose Jordan Peters in there as well. I thought those had a big impact because you look at Arkansas and, a ton of those passing yards came from, you know, throwing balls to the running back tight ends. And there was one play downfield. I think, you know, I think Roger McCreary pretty obviously got pushed in the back, didn't get a call there, but, you know, they make a play on the ball. But, you know, Arkansas was able to just sustain drives using the short passing game. They didn't do a ton of running. Um, and and that's the thing. They didn't run it great, uh, ran it enough, but it was the passing game. And, you know, Felipe Franks did a good job of just running the show, they did a good job of getting guys crossing, uh, doing some of those things. But, man, it was – it was you know, they had a shovel pass one time. They did a good job of scheming, making those, you know, those younger linebackers. And, you know, as Kobe McLean and Owen played a lot of football, but they haven't played a lot of football where they were the guys calling the signals. You know, K.J. Britt's been that guy. He's been running the show. And without him, I thought Arkansas took advantage of some of those opportunities they had and did a good job. But, you know, it's still kind of the thing looking for – you know, that elite pass rusher to step up. Um, Colby Wooden is not going to be a guy that's going to get you 12 sacks, but thought he played really well uh, moving back to strong side end. He was one of the bright spots on defense as well. But, yeah, they, you know, you're looking for more explosiveness um, out of the defense. And, you know, when you're down a few guys here or there, they didn't go as deep on the defensive line maybe as they normally do because of not having big cat Bryant. Um, you know, Colby Wooden was back outside. Um, thought we'd see maybe a little bit more of DeAndre Butler and um, you know Marquise Burks and some of those guys inside, but you know, they stuck with uh, their older veterans yesterday. And these guys got a little tired by the end of the game, but uh, you know we'll see if they get a chance to play some of those other guys moving forward. Jason, throughout his career, Felipe Franks has been a guy that if you could rattle him, if you could get some pressure on him, he's prone to making mistakes, big mistakes, game-changing turnovers, things of that nature. Auburn had three sacks in the game. Two of them, I, I would say, one from Colby Wooden and one from uh, Zykevius Walker were more covered sacks than anything else. She also had a sack from Owen Popo, the, the linebacker. What is, what's been the – you know, obviously Auburn's just not getting that edge rush pressure that they, they've gotten in recent seasons. So what are they going to have to do? I mean, what do you do? I mean, T.D. Moultrie uh, had a couple good plays in the game, but one of his best plays, he, he – had a face mask, so he's he's still struggling in many respects. Obviously, the wet field doesn't help an elite pass rusher, but what are they going to be able to do to create some pressure from the edge? Big Cat Brian, obviously, not playing. He didn't play, correct? That that hurts, but is it just the injuries, or is it I – mean, I'm just trying to put my finger on why they're not getting to the quarterback. There's just too many key third-down conversions, and, and not third and ones either, a lot of third and longs. And, and listen, that's been the problem – with a lot of defenses in the SEC. Florida yeah. and Alabama had pr- trouble with it as well. But specifically, we're talking about Auburn. Is it just the edge rush uh, 
pressure that's lacking or is it, is it the secondary? Is it that, well, what's going on? I think it's a combination of everything. Obviously the edge rusher, if you have a guy that's getting to the quarterback and you can rush four, then it helps out a defense tremendously. The more you have to send a smoke Monday or an Owen Popo, the more it opens up the opportunity for a tight end or a running back. And that's what we saw from Arkansas. Um, so it's a double-edged sword. You either count on your front four to get pressure and try to cover, or you try to create pressure. And when you do, you leave yourself in man situations. And if one guy's a, a step off or, or a, you know, when you're playing some guys down the line a little bit, if there's a guy that maybe gets caught looking inside a little bit and, and it, it's, a, it's a 30 or 40-yard gain, and that's what you're kind of seeing right now. So it all starts with not being able to get pressure with four. And can Big Cat Brian deliver that? You know, he's been – he hasn't been healthy all season long, uh, you know, starting, you know, right before the opener. We'll see if he gets back this week. I would guess that he should be good to go when they go to South Carolina as long as they don't have a setback this week. I would I would think, you look at this right now, you know, Derek Hall hasn't really done a whole lot of that as well. I wouldn't be shocked to see Big Cat back at the buck, leave Colby Wooden on the field, Daquan Newkirk, Tyron Truesdale, to me give you your best four guys to start with. Um and then sub off of that. I think that's the. I think right now that's the best four you guys you would have on the field. Bo Nix, uh, hot and cold Saturday, made some good plays down the stretch. Obviously, coming off a not so great game at Georgia, obviously, but you know he was really uh, rushed heavily in that game. I don't think that was uh, the the troubles of the offense were necessarily on him entirely. But he's getting a lot of criticism right now in in, in the social media world and uh, pundits that cover college football. Fair or unfair, Jason? Uh, Again, I I think when you start looking at quarterbacks, it's kind of like the NFL. You start seeing guys get trashed and and the offensive line in front of them isn't playing well. I think it's the same thing when you look at at Bo Nix or most other quarterbacks. Um, If they get time, they're usually pretty good. If not, and you have to try to create, um, then it's kind of a mixed bag. I think that's what it is for Bo. And it's hard to look at him, too, with completion percentage because he – he probably throws more balls away than most guys do. Now, he didn't have a chance. He didn't throw it a ton on Saturday, so he didn't have a chance to do much of that. But um, I think the one thing that, that Bo has continued to do, and, and I thought not having Eli Stove, especially the last game and a half, he got hurt again early against Georgia, that's a third guy that he really trusts. And so I thought against Arkansas, he was really zoned in on, on Seth and, and Anthony Schwartz, and it eliminated the rest of the field. And so I think for him, you know, whether Shedrick Jackson, whoever it is, got to got to find those third and fourth guys. To me, that opens up the offense and and it makes you much more difficult to uh, to defend. But I think overall, he's you know considering that it, that he hadn't had a whole lot of time back there, um, didn't turn the ball over again, uh, which is a big deal. And so I think I think it's uh, like I said, I thought it was a step forward for the entire offense early on. Auburn was trying to kind of throw the ball and do some side to side games with the weather just terrible. Um, and those were probably, I think, four or five of his incompletions there fairly early. Other than that, I thought he played okay. All right, Jason. Uh, you know, one of the more troubling aspects of the game was that Auburn led 17 to nothing, and you're thinking, okay, you know, this is not the team that, that just got humbled by Georgia. This is, this is a team that's got some promise, some potential. This could end up being a four, five-touchdown win game, uh, and, uh, you know, they barely won. They, they barely hang on, hung on to win. Uh, you know, obviously the SEC's got a lot of back and forth this year. There's been some wild games. But ahead 17 to nothing, you don't expect when you're playing Arkansas to be pushed the way Auburn was pushed. 
I mean, where are they at right now? What is it a killer instinct lacking? Is it an identity lacking? I mean, Gus's teams have been slow starting teams. There's no question about that. So is it just a trend or is it, is it more than that? I think it's, it's what you have right now with, with just about every team in the league. You've got teams that are searching to try to figure out what they are and who they are. And, you know, you know, people think, well, it's just an excuse. But, I mean, look around the league. And, I mean, Georgia's offense made some play. Their defense is, is miles ahead of everybody else right now. That's also a defense with the same coordinator and just about every starter back. They were able to, to take things on a little bit differently than most. Um, for everybody else, and Alabama's offense is really good. You know, you know, hey, Lane Kiffin's come in and done a great job with an Ole Miss offense that actually, you know, people ask me, that's, a, that's an offensive group from a skill position standpoint that's got some really good skill players. So he was able to take them to another level. Everywhere else, you look and there's, there's issues. And I think for Auburn, it's trying to figure out who you are. And, man, you, you take the field without K.J. Britt on defense and, and without some of those guys. And I think it's, you know, you got people starting to look around going, okay, who's taking over the show? And I think that's what you're trying to search for right now is who's taking over the show. And um, maybe they learned some of that late against Arkansas. It seems like Auburn's just in survival mode right now. The next couple of games are going to be interesting at South Carolina, which is coming off its best game of the season, uh, a win at Vanderbilt, an easy win at Vanderbilt's not very good, but that was still a, a good win for Will Muschamp's crew. Uh, and then at Ole Miss, and, and those are two teams that I, I believe are both one and two, but are dangerous games, and they're on the road, and you know there's a lot going on, but how, you know, how does Auburn come out of this game? I know how fans are, Jason. They're, they're, they're treating it almost as a loss. But how does Auburn mentally come out of this game against Arkansas? Do they feel, are they feeling a lot better about themselves? Or are they still questioning themselves? Are they still trying to figure out who they are and what they are? Where are they at right now after three games? Yeah, again, I think they're like just about every team in this league other than, yeah. than Georgia. I think. I mean, they, I guess I sort of asked the same thing twice. But I think mentally, I think you're probably going, man, we, we got through a game without a bunch of guys um, that we could have easily lost. So I would, see, I would think mentally, if you're Auburn, you go, all right, man, that was one that, that – that we got away with and let's uh, let's go. And so I think for Auburn, it's probably a, I think mentally it's probably a, a step up. I would imagine, especially coming off that Georgia week. All right. Your biggest concern when you look at Auburn right now and, and after three games and the things they've done well, the things they've struggled with and guys that they've lost guys that may be coming back uh, the history of, of slow starting seasons for Gus Malzahn, you know, what is your, biggest concern with this team right now what is what is concern number one Jason when you look at the Auburn Tigers getting ready getting ready to play at South Carolina this weekend yeah I think it's probably defensively um can you take the next step of getting you know get Big Cat Bryant back maybe get Jalen Simpson back um not gonna have KJ Britt but you got to get some other guys involved at linebacker do we see some of those young guys a Wesley Steiner a Cam Riley somebody they got it they got to develop more of that depth on the front seven that's how they play um, because they got worn down at the end of the Arkansas game. For, so, you know, there, and can you build on what you did offensively? Um, you know, Will Muschamp, T-Rob, they're going to come out and, and probably put seven, eight guys up there and say, all right, if you can throw it and beat us, go ahead. So this is going to be an opportunity for the passing game, I think. All right, that will do it for this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I'm Keith Niebuhr. That was Jason Caldwell with Inside the Auburn Tigers. Again, Auburn wins 30-28, to 28, a nail-biter at Jordan-Hare Stadium. 
and uh, Auburn moves to two and one plays at South Carolina this coming Saturday, uh, getting uh, a couple old friends together. Will my, I don't know if they're friends, but old, old co-workers, I guess, Gus Malzahn and his former defensive coordinator for one season, Will Mushcamp. Is that co-workers when it's your boss? I, I, I don't understand how that, uh, I'm probably getting the terminology wrong, but a big game for Auburn and Columbia, South Carolina this coming week. We're going to have a couple more podcasts throughout the week. We appreciate everybody stopping by. And also, we want to apologize for the sound quality. My equipment is in the shop right now. We should be getting that back soon. Everybody, I hope you have a safe week, and we'll do it again soon. Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.